Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Satlin. How's it going, man? Uh, it's super hot out. I just started running. My allergies have kicked in, so to say that my last few runs have been good would be a lie. Uh, I have been on the pain train after sitting on my butt for the past year and a half. Um, thought that the comeback tour would be a little bit nicer to me, um, and I kind of forgot how brutal this sport can be sometimes. And I'm really only running just like a couple miles, but it feels like I'm I'm back on the days where I was grinding miles upon miles. And uh, a nice reminder to remember how hard this sport is sometimes. Well, we were trying to rope you into doing the uh, out of shape mile. We already have uh, Sam threw down a 452. I think Michael is probably about to go in about 10 minutes or so. Um, That's right. So maybe we'll get live results on the pod, um, which would be interesting to see if he can break the 452. But we would love to see you do it. I, I know you're you're setting the <laughs> expectations low, but I, I certainly would love to see you give it at least a go. Yeah, you know, I was like semi-somewhat okay competitive back in high school, but dude, I'm I don't even think I could qualify for the out of shape mile. That's how bad <laughs> I am right now. Um, I'm so out of shape, so. Uh, you know, I just like I've been like looking at like all my heart rate stuff and that's some of my paces. I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like this is just <laughs> some bad stuff. So um, but I'm rallying. I hope your running's going well. I know you just kind of started up again, but hope your running's all also going but at least I hope it's going better than mine at the very least. Yes. Yeah, I know I went on a, a nice trail run yesterday, longest run of uh, that I've done since I've gotten back into it. Seven big seven miles with a, a thousand foot elevation gain. So that was that was a doozy. Um, I I don't know how a lot of those BYU guys do it. Like I, I follow Clayson Shumway on um, Strava, and like he'll just have like two thousand or three thousand elevation like foot elevation gains on like a fifteen mile run, and that just like hurts my like legs just looking at it. So I have no yeah. idea how they do that. And they're already at elevation too, which is crazy. yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's enough hearing from our sad running stories. Um, we have plenty of things to talk about. We did hit 59 ratings on Apple podcasts this past week, one short of our 60, maybe by the time this podcast comes out, we will be at 60. Um, so continue to give us ratings and reviews. If you have not yet, uh, we really do appreciate it. And, um, it helps us spread the word so that we can do a lot more things with, uh, TSR. Yep. So uh, leave us a rating review. One away. Be the person. Be the person that gets us to 60. And you can even leave us a comment. So go leave us a, a rating review. Leave us a comment. Um, and remember, if we get to 100, I'll run 100 miles in a day, which is not true. That's not going to happen. But who knows? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, maybe you could bike it. You could join the TSR bike club or something. Oh, dude, I might as well. I might as well just never move again if I try to get on a bike. Like. <laughs> I'm I'm horrendous on the bike. I'm even worse in the pool. It's all just it's anything that's not running related. It's all it's all downhill. Uh, I I understand that. I I'm not good at either of those uh, two sports either. So sticking with running, um, we did have some big news, uh, which I I feel like we we're getting into this cycle, uh, which I don't know if I really like, where we have at least one or two schools. Um, announced that they're going to cut a program. We have a few transfers um, that come up as well, and so we'll touch on that. But the the frustrating part is that we have 
two schools um, who have decided to cut um, some of their uh, running teams. Appalachian State uh, decided to cut their men's indoor track team, while Brown, um, which was definitely the one that got a lot more buzz, canceled their men's indoor, outdoor, and cross-country team um, this past week. Not citing any financial problems because of coronavirus, but just because they wanted to become more competitive as an athletic department and to make their athletics more diverse, I think was one of the things they said. Uh, The Appalachian State one, I think we can all understand why that's happening. I think the Brown one is the one that everybody is very frustrated about because we just don't understand the why. It is baffling. It's just so baffling. And even the the reason behind it doesn't make any sense. They said it's not pandemic related. It's not financial related. Um, We're doing this to improve our competitiveness and to uh, improve our diversity and gender equity. But how do you cut the most diverse team, the most socioeconomically diverse team in favor of sailing? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I was talking to my roommate about this. He's like, why didn't they just lie? They had a whole pandemic behind them and everyone would have shrugged <laughs> their shoulders and said, well, yep, that probably makes sense. They could have just lied. Instead, they're just like, well, it's to increase competitiveness. What, for the, the one in nine football team or what? They were two and eight? I don't know. Like, like, it, it, it's baffling. The, sail, the, the side-by-side picture of the sailing team and the track team is just it's laughable when you consider that their initiative for this or at least one of the reasons was diversity because there is very apparent lack of diversity in that sailing team picture whereas it is very a diverse group on the men's track team and that i think is like you said why you're saying that that's going to be the reason when you have a built-in excuse um, and a reason that appears to be like not being followed at all. That's, that's the astounding part. And not only that, but this is an Ivy league program. You don't, you don't have scholarships. So who's, who's taking your scholarships on, on any side track cross country? Who's taking the scholarships? It's not like this is even like remotely a financial reason. Sure. Maybe you got coaching salaries, but how does any of that make sense? It doesn't make sense. And Brown, the past few years, at least on the men's side, you've got a handful of talents that have done pretty well. That Brown DMR from, I think, 2018, they qualified for the national championships. They had Martin Martinez uh, on that relay, who we actually spoke to in one of our recent articles. Uh, Ned Willig, who was a 147-800 guy at Brown. He was an Ivy League champion. He went on to Michigan, where he ran 358 for the mile. You know, there's there's a handful of good names that have come out of that Brown program. Yeah, sure, maybe they're not as consistent as maybe like a, a Princeton is in the Ivy League, but it just doesn't make sense. And and the positive wording and the language behind it from the athletic department and the university president, it was borderline insulting. Actually, yeah, it really was. Yeah the the way the way he said he was excited about uh the new direction that they're going seem seemingly saying that he didn't feel bad about the decision to cut these teams and when you're doing something like this you can at least have the i guess sympathy and and the grace to be able to uh apologize to those that you're 
effectively leaving without a team. Um, instead, he seems to have just directed all of his energy towards the promotion of his plan um, and really forgetting about the people that are losing their team because of it. Yeah, it's 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 baffling. And and for me, you know, I guess I guess and I, I should acknowledge that I have some bias in favor of the Brown cross country team, not only just because, you know, we write and, you know, all that stuff for TSR, of course, we're going to be very closely related to the team. But for me, it's pretty personal because three really good friends of mine have gone on to run for Brown. Um, I grew up uh, with Ned Willig as my captain uh, in high school. He was my high school mentor growing up for two years. And I raced, you know, raced by him and raced with him for two years. You know, to see him go off to Brown and do all these great things, that was the first time we kind of recognized as Brown being, you know, this program that we kind of had a connection to. And then later, one of my best friends from high school, um, she would go on to run for the team. And now Ned's little sister is currently on the team. And if you were maybe in the Northeast region, like in Connecticut or Rhode Island, like I guess it would make a little bit more sense to kind of see some of your teammates go there. But I'm from a, like a, a suburb of Philadelphia. It doesn't just happen when three, you know, three of your high schoolers go to the same team within like a four or five year span or whatever it was. So, you know, for me, that was, for me, this guy, this kind of like, a, it kind of hit me pretty hard because I've, I know a little bit and, you know, bits and pieces of kind of how close that team is and to kind of see them just axe half of it is stunning. It just, it's a complete shock. Those kids are devastated right now and and they're angry and and, and i don't blame them um you know i i do wonder what role title nine had um i do wonder really the logic behind it advancing sailing to a varsity sport um so there's questions i have i i'm i'm trying to find a good reason but right now i'm struggling well yeah and i obviously the personal element is there for you but even me, without knowing really anybody, I there was one guy um, who I raced against who who would go on to run at Brown. Um, but I really don't have a whole lot of personal connections. But you just see uh, in the interview that we did uh, on the site, the Voices of Brown XCTF, um, you kind of see like their confusion um, because, like you said, they they were our competitive team. They um, Dominic in the interview mentions that two of the 10 male athletic honors were from the track team. Um, obviously they're, they're doing a lot of good things. Um, and you, that you also mentioned with title nine, um, what the role that could play. I, I think one thing that stood out to me with the interview was how close, um, the men and women's team was, they talked about it being one team, which I think is the goal for any program. Um, where the men and women's team are a unit and they work together. And it really feels like that they're losing um, not just one team, but really they're cutting uh, apart this extra team um, that existed with the men's and women's teams. And I can see why the women's team is just as frustrated because it, they seem to work together as a unit um, and to break that apart willingly is just I, I i it seems indefensible agreed agreed i don't know how you can defend this decision i don't know i and more so i want to know 
how can you say, well, it's going to improve competitiveness for all your other teams? But how? You can't make so you can't pay someone to be more athletic. You can't pay someone to have a better jump shot. Like you, you can't do that. Maybe you find a better coaching staff, but then whose fault is that for not getting the right coaching staff to begin with? For not getting the correct trainers? For not, you know, getting the better, the best recruiters? Whose fault is that? So how is this going to improve competitiveness? It doesn't make sense. You can put all the money you want into it, but the the fact of the matter is that you can have all the greatest facilities in the world. You can have, you know, X, Y, Z. It just, it doesn't make sense, man. It just doesn't make sense. Um, So I get it. And, you know, like I said, there might be a title, there might be a title nine factor in this. There there very well might be uh, that might have played a role, but sailing, which is taking up two spots, by the way, I believe it's co-ed sailing and women's sailing that counts as two sports. So now you're, you're adding in those two sports and taking out men's track. I don't get it. I just don't get it. The one, the one last point that I think we shouldn't make is the timing of this is also not great. Um, And that was also something that was brought up in the interview that it's going to be difficult um, possibly for a lot of these student athletes to find new homes, whether it's because of admission deadlines or whatever um, the, the, the possibilities for them to transfer are obviously smaller now um, because scholarship money has probably been allotted um, admissions. The admissions process is probably closing or already closed for a lot of schools. Um, and while they can still, I think, go on to the transfer portal, um, I, I think it will be very, it will be more difficult for them to find a new place um, in June than it would have been in April or earlier this month. Right. Yeah. And that's, I, I don't think, and I don't know how maybe big or widespread that issue is, but it does, it does affect them to an extent. You know, there, there is, this is going to be an issue. Maybe there was a certain school they were looking at and there's just no way now that they can get into that program via a transfer uh, rule. And it very much depends on the school. Like for instance, I think last year, um, like Haley Herberg, um, I think there was like an Oklahoma that, you know, Oklahoma team didn't have their coach. They hadn't, you know, hired a coach by I think August at one point. And I think she last second transferred to Washington. So, you know, she's an example that I, where I think, you know, there are instances where you can find late season transfers, some, you know, big and respectable programs, but it still limits your options as you're saying. Um, and, and I very much agree with that. And more so how about the incoming freshmen? Right. I mean, that that's just, you know, you just accept it to your Ivy League offer. You're going to go run uh, cross country and track for Brown. Uh, no, you're not. And just immediately, probably, I imagine this was probably a timeline where they had just accepted their offers. So yeah. it, it, it's um, the, the timing, as you mentioned, is extremely disappointing. And I fear that later in the summer, as we are about to hit June and into July, I fear that programs are going to begin cutting their programs and this is going to continue being an issue even further. So, um, you know, maybe some schools will understand that, of course, these things are happening and that athletes are looking to transfer, but um, really just just not a, not a great day. That I think it was Friday when all that was announced. Not a, not a great day. Or Thursday or Friday, I think. Not, not a great day. 
Yeah, you you certainly hope, like I mentioned, that the cycle of every week we find out about a new program uh, biting the dust, that this is the end of it. But it's it's like you said, it's hard to say that this feels like the end. This feels like we're, we're still going to be experiencing this in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's it's going to be. Yeah, everyone, I'm trying to take a little, a few more deep breaths. You know, it is, uh, it's not always fun, but, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to talk more about some exciting transfers and maybe, you know, rankings in in the uh, summer months rather than these kind of issues. But, um, well, Ben, that's, that's kind of all I have on that end. I could keep talking about this forever. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Maybe you want to talk about transfers. Maybe that might be a little bit more exciting and entertaining because there definitely were a a few exciting ones and and some ones that could have some impact. uh, Well, just a general impact on their new teams. Yeah. Why don't we move on to, like you said, a little bit more exciting and and happier news Um, on the transfer front. We saw some some pretty big names, like you mentioned, uh, move. Uh, one of the biggest names on the move, I think, was Stephen Jones, a graduate transfer from Mississippi State, headed to Colorado. Um, most importantly, I think, about this his transfer is that he has all three seasons of eligibility. We're talking about an 842 steepler who finished 80th at NCAAs this past fall. Um, someone who will come in and help this Colorado Buffalo team immediately um, and this is a and this is a Buffalo team that really needs some help after losing some major major firepower um, due to graduation this past year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you lost Joe Klecker and John Dressel. You know, last year we had kind of given Colorado some slack in the preseason rankings uh, or lack of slack, I guess, um, because they didn't really have a back end. They had really limited depth. We weren't sure what we were going to see from them. And of course they blow those expectations out of the water. They become one of the more deeper teams in the country. The problem now is that, all right, well, you may have a full lineup and you may have, you know, enough pieces and enough historical excellence to at least get you to a certain point, but you're losing so much firepower. And it's going to be extremely difficult to replicate that. Now, you have Eduardo Herrera. You have um, Kashawn Harrison. Uh, I believe Alec Horniker is coming back. Um, he's expected to come back. He was an All-American last year. So those are three really good names last year, three names that are all All-American caliber talents. Um, whether or not they run well on the same day is a different conversation, but um, those are three really talented names. Now you add in Stephen Jones who was 80th at the cross-country national championships last year. He had a handful of great performances. He's an 842 steeplechaser. Um, you know, he, he's really talented. I think he's got a lot to offer. Um, and I think he's going to be really, really key in terms of offering some scoring stability, some consistency, adding some depth, and just giving Colorado another piece to kind of fill out the latter half of that lineup with potential to him, you know, really moving up and improving as a scorer. So I just think that Colorado landed such a huge one in order to keep their team competitive this year. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they do, but Colorado, this kind of, I don't want to say completes their squad, but it really fills a major gap within their lineup. Yeah. And they're, they're still obviously going to be missing that top 10 uh, kind of talent losing obviously Dressel and Klecker who um, have been fixtures in that top 10 in the last two years um, that's really going to hurt not having that real true low stick 
But you do. I think we both feel pretty uh, highly about Sean Harrison. Um, what he did as a freshman was extremely impressive. He didn't have the best day at NCAA's, but I, I think next year, with a year under his belt, I think he could be a really, really good top tier guy for Colorado. Um, and they're going to kind of need to depend on guys just taking a, a step forward. And, and we saw that with Harrison and Hornecker last year. So it wouldn't be surprising to see the same thing happen uh, this coming fall. But um, like you said, Jones really gives them that solid piece of depth, uh, adds to their depth, and also gives them another opportunity um, for a possible All-American finisher, which I just don't think they have more than four or five guys on that roster who you can realistically say on their best day, they can be a top 40, top 50 guy. And he certainly is if he's running at his uh, top of his capability. Absolutely. And another point I wanted to make is that Colorado's lineup, the back half of that lineup last year, extremely young. And, you know, you Kashawn Harrison obviously being a true freshman, but you look at Gabe Fendel, you know, he was, I believe, a redshirt freshman. Austin Vansill, uh, he was a true freshman as well. Um, you know, there's a few guys who are really solid talents who, you know, still, I think, need some development, who need a little bit of, you know, you need to just progress naturally. Um, so I think this team is going to be much, much better. Those guys were all studs in high school. Um, so they'll they'll be great. Uh, I, I'm very confident about you know what the Buffaloes are going to be able to do, and I think Jones kind of you know as we've kind of already talked about kind of completes that. So Colorado maybe not going to be as bad as, as as we think they will be. They'll be very solid. I agree, and and on a track, just a quick mention on the track side. I mean Jones is 842 Steepler, someone who's probably going to come in and be very competitive in the Pac-12 for them and be someone that uh, could maybe score him some points at at the national meet at outdoors. Um, Not obviously something that is nearly as important to Colorado as cross country, but certainly worth noting. Yep, absolutely. Colorado has a very underrated history of producing some pretty decent steeplechasers and I think Jones is already kind of putting himself in there as one of their better ones, at least on the men's side. Um, So, you know, 842 gets you a a lot of good things. But, yeah, we'll see. I I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does outdoors, um, trying to, you know, see how the altitude impacts his training and his performances. But, yeah, uh, West uh, the the West region steeplechase, BYU, Oregon. Oregon's starting to get a few guys. Yeah, he added Stephen Jones, man. It's going to get very competitive now. Yeah, yep, I agree. Um, moving on, though, we had a big D2 transfer uh, with Callahan Warren headed to Western Washington. He only has outdoor track eligibility, but this is a 347-1500 guy, 403 true miler. Um, and joining um, Western Washington, uh, also with another tra- fellow transfer, um, what was it, Nate Beamer? Is that right? Yeah. Um, those two could be at the top of the 1,500 ranks for Western Washington. Big, big uh, move for uh, the Western Washington team as they look to probably dominate the uh, 1,500 next outdoor season. Yeah, I mean, man, we had heard about about a month ago, we had heard that both of these men were looking at Western Washington and when, you know, we, for the Callahan Ware and stuff, we kind of just sat on it, sat on it, 
we're waiting to confirm, trying to find some confirmation. And when we finally did, you know, you pair him with Nate Beamer and it finally gets to the point where you're looking at, hey, where did Western Washington come from? You know, everyone's kind of scratching their head saying, how did they just get these two guys? And not that Western Washington has been bad. They've actually been a pretty respectable program over the past couple of years. But, you know, I just don't think anyone expected them to get a 402 miler on top of a 403 miler. Two guys who can compete for D2 national titles. It just, it's just surprising. So um, yeah, I mean, it's great pickup. You're looking at the Vikings becoming a household name. Um, these are two recruits that could potentially change how Western Washington is perceived as a distance program within the D2 level. Uh, you know, Nate Beamer was, you know, probably the fastest miler um, this past indoor season in D2 based solely on PR. And Callahan Warren was arguably one of the most dynamic uh, distance runners in Division Two with a 150-800 PR, the, the 403 mile, as we already mentioned, and I think like an 808-3K. I mean, he had some of the best range in Division Two, so huge pickup for Western Washington. They're going to, you know, they're going to have some serious firepower next year. Yeah, I agree. It'll, it'll be fascinating to see what they can do as, as a team um, with Warren and Beamer being able to kind of go out and dictate races, probably however they want to. Um, but, but moving on, we had JP Trojan uh, headed from William and Mary to Syracuse. Uh, he has, cross-country indoor and outdoor eligibility next year all three seasons like jones did um and this is a real uh up-and-coming star in my opinion 808 and 1348 uh prs and 3k 5k he ran both of those at the same meet um this past indoor season i a big, big pickup for Syracuse, um, who, which is who is a team that, frankly, needed a, I think, big pickup um, as they try to elevate themselves back into that top 20, top 15 uh, team status for this coming cross-country season. Yeah, Syracuse was just a very odd team last year. They went on to, to dominate Battle of Beantown, and then they absolutely were atrocious at Nuttycomb. Came back out of nowhere, won the ACC title over Notre Dame, then went on to the national championships, and I'm I'm pretty sure they they were not great there either. I'm pretty sure they had a, a pretty they low were 27th, finish. 27th, and I think the year before that they were 26. So they have struggled at the national championships over the past two years. Um, now, admittedly, they were they were without Aiden Tucker last year, but it's very odd to see the ACC champion also finish 27th at the national championships that year. So uh, Syracuse, regardless, though. Um, despite the inconsistencies, a really unique and interesting team. They've really built up their current roster. A lot of these guys have progressed through the ranks over the years. Um, they return a very, very heavy portion of last year's team. They return from their ACC championship uh, winning team. They return their first runner, their second runner, their third runner, their fourth runner. This is all according to Tifers, And their sixth runner and their seventh runner. So, you know, that that's some pretty exciting stuff there if, if I'm Syracuse. So to have those guys come back to have a healthy Aiden Tucker, hopefully now on the team and to now have a 1348 guy in JP Trojan, who was really only beginning to go through, you know, a breakout season this past winter, you were looking at a really good Syracuse team. Consistency is still a big question mark there, but this guy won the Penn state national open last fall he was runner-up to Alex Masai at the Colonial Athletic Association Championships. Um, 
he's really talented. And I think even if he's not, you know, this top guy on the team or a, a super great low stick, he's going to add scoring stability and consistency to that orange lineup. Um, just a, a huge, a huge boost. And I think Syracuse is now going to, you know, make a significant leap into 2020 as a very competitive cross country team that I don't think a lot of people are going to recognize how good they are um, until this fall. Yeah, I mean, they're still going to be very young uh, next year. Uh, Dragon, I think, will be a senior. But for the most part, they're, they're still going to have a, a lot of uh, sophomores and juniors on their team. Um, and Trojan does give them a little bit more of that veteran experience, um, which I think will be big because while, the, like you said, this is a very talented team. Um, the youth is something that I worry about in terms of their consistency and what we're going to be able to see from them on a week-to-week basis. And I, I think Trojan gives them a little bit more stability. Um, and hopefully with the return of Tooker, this is a team, like you said, that has the potential, I, I think, to be near top 10 caliber. Whether they get there or not, that that's hard for me to say. I, I think I think we're looking at a Syracuse team, though, that has uh, the widest range of uh, capability um, that we might see from a cross-country team this coming fall where they could be. It wouldn't shock me to see them in the top 10, um, but it wouldn't shock me to see them in the 20s again, um, depending on how they do um, and how consistent they are at nationals. So very fascinating pickup for Syracuse. Um, and they will be certainly one of the teams that I keep an, a close eye on this coming fall. Yeah, they're going to be a, a great, great team. So we'll see, as you mentioned, I think there's still some things that we got to watch, you know, consistency, as we mentioned, but, um, yeah, going to be a great team. Congrats to Syracuse on the great pickup of JP Trojan. He's got, uh, I believe all three seasons of eligibility left. I'd have to double check that, yeah, but he does. Yeah. yeah, I believe he does. And I think he has uh, two, technically two seasons of outdoor track left. So, mm-hmm. you know, we could be seeing him for for quite some time. And if he was only just breaking out this past winter, then uh, I can't imagine what he's going to do with another year or two under his belt. So, yeah, Syracuse is going to be a great team. Absolutely. All right, last transfer that we have, we have Kenny Vassbender of Columbia headed to Notre Dame. Joining the flock of Ivy League talent headed to South Bend, Indiana. Um, he only does have outdoor eligibility, but he is an 808 and 1401 uh, caliber guy. Nice, solid pickup for Notre Dame, um, who has just seemed to pull in a lot of uh, grad talent in the last few weeks. Ben, I have a question for you. Yes. Is, is Sean Carlson not the best recruiter in the NCAA right now? He has to be like, and that, no, no doubt. I, I, what he's done with his recruiting classes in the past two years is staggering. Uh, not just having one like class that's probably the best of of the year, but basically ha- doing that two years in a row, um, convincing the top American uh, high school talent, and now convincing the top graduate transfer talent to come to South Bend after uh, a few years where they were they were not a national caliber team is frankly stunning um it's obviously a prestigious program prestigious school but how quickly he's turned around that team um is incredible yeah yeah it's it's been really really impressive I don't think I've seen a coach not only just come in so recently and then just dominate from the recruiting aspect, dominate from a transfer aspect. I mean, there's 
I mean, it, it's really, it's just insane um, how well they have recruited. You know, they're, they have to be one of the most well-rounded distance groups in the country right now. Um, they have the mile section kind of down. Um, they're slowly improving the 800 portions. They just got two big transfers from the Daily Twins to help their steeplechase team. And, and now they've already got, you know, like guys like Danny Correa and I think Kevin Salvano was recently, you know, those guys are great 5K, 10K guys. Adam Matthew Carmody there. Um, and, and now you throw in someone like Vassbender, who is going to really only help those those portions even more. Um, I, I just keep looking at this team and I just, just com- am completely shocked with myself uh, with how good that they have become simply because Carlson recruits like no other and he recruits much better than no other. So uh, it's all really impressive stuff. I mean, can you imagine one of those like Irish practices uh, like obviously that a lot of these guys don't have cross country eligibility. So we're not going to see a lot of them in the fall, but I, I mean, I'm just imagining the the type of workouts and type of practices that there that are just going to be going on with like 10, 15 guys deep doing some impressive work at uh, Notre Dame. It, it would be, I'm sure that's probably uh, one of the reasons why it's so attractive to go there. You're, you're basically going into this almost like semi pro uh, training group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere you look, it's depth and depth and more yeah. depth. Um, now we should clarify that a lot of those incoming transfers that they have no cross country eligibility. Right. So, you know, let's maybe, you know, they're still going to be very competitive this fall. Don't be wrong. They'll be one of the better teams in the country, but let's also just put this in perspective. You know, I think everyone sees transfers and they're like cross country and it's like, well, not quite. Um, so just something to keep in mind as you move more, uh, move into kind of the fall months there. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but yeah, great, great pickup from, from uh, Notre Dame. I wonder if that's going to be the last one that they have coming in. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to be pretty interesting. That will. And I think that wraps it up for uh, the transfers that we saw this week. I'm sure we will see more uh, next week, but we did get breaking news on oh. our out of shape uh mile competition michael did just run his mile um what i'm looking at is a picture of his watch that says 507 pace um for 1.01 miles so it looks like sam still has the crown uh, and he will he will keep the crown yes <laughs> well i don't know who who else is gonna do it well, it, it depends on what we consider people who are out of shape. And yeah. it's probably me, Sam, and and Michael. And if Sam's just going to step out of his house and just be like, yeah, I'm going to run a mile on 452, then I don't know how out of shape he necessarily is. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, yeah, I feel, I feel like he's kind of juicing right now, um, but we'll, we'll see. So yeah, I don't know who else is really necessarily out of shape, but I can tell you yeah. I'm probably taking that crown right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll have to to start recruiting some more people to do it. I I'm certainly not in good shape right now, although hopefully I will be in a few weeks. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Um, I I would love to see some more out of shape miles uh, from the TSR crew, but we'll see if see what happens. I am sure we will see more transfer news in the next week or so. Hopefully, we won't see any more programs cut. Um, but if there are any news, you know that you can get it from the Stride Report. Um, and Garrett, is there anything that you would like to tease before we sign off? Uh, well, we're wrapping up the month of May. First off, thank you to everyone. Um, the site 
while I do wish we were reporting under better circumstances and reporting with some better news, um, we have had a monumental month for the site, records upon records, uh, most visitors we've ever had, which is a wild thing to say during a pandemic. I think Ben and I were both kind of in a situation where we looked at each other and we thought, what the heck are we going to write? You know, <laughs> what the heck are we going to have put out for content? But um, you know, we found ways and you guys have supported us incredibly well. So that's, that's super appreciated. Thank you all. Um, and with the completion of the month of May, maybe we'll slowly start getting to some cross-country action, some cross-country analysis. That will likely be coming within the next week or two. So hang tight. It's coming. We're, uh, we're working on a few things and uh, we're trying to stay afloat here. But thank you all uh, for the support. And uh, that's all I got, man. All right. Well, until next time, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.